0: Gregory said, obviously, I'm not Barrett, um, and I, I hate that he's not here this morning because he has really been sick uh, the last couple of days. got a text from him on Friday, I guess it was, that said, uh, if you want to talk to somebody, you're going to have to call Karen. Uh, he said from his nose all the way down through his throat into his chest was just... Uh, rare and, and throbbing and, and burning. And uh, I think the diagnosis probably is strep throat, uh, not COVID. Uh, he, he got some uh, antibiotics and uh, some steroids on Friday afternoon and was feeling a lot better yesterday, but still uh, not able to be out. And, uh, and so he said, I hated to put anybody at Southside uh, on notice with such a short notice, and uh, I thought you'd have something ready, and so please, <laughs> please come on Sunday. And, uh, and so here we are. Hopefully, uh, after nearly two years now, we're beginning to emerge from this devastating pandemic that's battered the economy. It's claimed the lives of nearly five and a half million people worldwide, 800,000 deaths here in the U.S. And this season of celebration that kind of begins at the end of uh, November and goes through uh, the first of the year has been a time of mourning for many families who've lost loved ones during all of this. And others who've escaped death are still facing financial insecurity and loneliness and, and fear of the unknown. And we wonder, how in the world is there any hope for a happy new year? Well, the truth is, 2022 will probably not be what we would traditionally call a happy new year, just like 2020 and 2021 hasn't been. But I believe Even though it can't be a happy new year, that it can be a joyful new year. Over the years, I've learned that happiness is often a matter of happenstance, circumstances, while joyfulness is more a matter of choice. There are two special spiritual attitudes that can bring joy to this new year, even though it's going to be some unhappy times along the way. And it's those two attitudes that I want to share with you this morning and and talk with you about. And I'm piggybacking on two words that Barrett's older brother, Alan, uh, a a pediatrician uh, down in Chattanooga, He did, uh, uh, for last year and a half, he did a call-in Wednesday noon show over the PBS radio station that was put out to the world on Facebook. And the PBS hostess called the show calling Dr. Kaufman. And uh, Alan would answer questions that would come in on the computer as the show was going on about COVID, about the vaccines, about how many people uh, had uh, gotten it over the last week, how many people had died, how the hospitals were handling it all, and just kind of what was going on in the community. And so he discussed the ugly facts about how many had been infected, how many were hospitalized, how many had died, how many hadn't gotten the vaccine yet. But I appreciated their saving just a few moments at the end of each show, each week, that they called gratitude and grace, gratitude and grace. And what they would do would express gratitude for someone or some group of folks in the community like the first responders, like the healthcare workers, like the police, like the mayor, the school superintendent. They tried to spread it around, spread the gratitude around. And then they would stress the need for everyone giving grace to those around them, to the teachers, to the police, to the parents, to the children, to the neighbors, even to total strangers by refraining from finger pointing And fussing and fighting with each other. And often he would give an example of something that he had seen. Or something that someone listening to the show had, had shared with him. And I'm becoming more and more convinced. That a joyful new year is going to require a whole lot of gratitude. And a whole lot of grace. On the part of each of us. It's like love and marriage, a horse and a carriage, uh, faith and works. Gratitude and grace are two hands on the same body. And so first, let's talk a little bit about gratitude. With all the blessings we enjoy, how can one day of Thanksgiving a year really be enough? I enjoy... Thanksgiving to New Year's uh, because, like Jack Parker, uh, I have a birthday uh, during, during that time. And, and so it makes it double good between Thanksgiving and, 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 and Christmas and the New Year's. But how about a different approach than just one day each year for Thanksgiving there's a word that I had never heard before that's kind of been popularized in some of the religious blogs uh, recently and that word is let's practice thanks living not thanksgiving but thanks living a daily attitude of gratitude admittedly it's not all that difficult when everything's going well But looking back at last year, and even looking ahead to this year, there's still some problems and difficulties ahead of us, financially, spiritually, physically, mentally. We have two professional counselors on our church staff at Westport Road, and the last time I talked to to them, they were still booked out about 30 to 45 days in their appointments. There were... Still, numerous folks struggling with fear and anxiety and all of those things that causes one's life not to be in very good shape. And so, that makes thanks living a pretty tall order. But r- not really. If we can learn to do something that may sound a bit radical at first hearing... How about our learning to be grateful for our problems? I think that's what you were talking about this morning before communion. Not just being thankful for our blessings, but being thankful for our problems. You remember 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, down toward the end of the chapter there, Paul goes bang, 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 you know, rejoice always, pray continually, Give thanks, what? In all circumstances, in all things. Give thanks in all things. And so facing challenges is what makes us stronger. It's what we're made for. It's what makes life worth living. John Templeton, a respected mutual funds manager, over his 95 years, gave a lot of practical spiritual advice in addition to all the financial advice that he shared. Listen to what he wrote. Adversity, when overcome, strengthens us. So we're giving thanks, not really for the problem itself, but for the strength and the knowledge that will come from it. Giving thanks for this growth ahead of time, Templeton says, will help us grow through, not just go through our circumstance. And so ahead of time, as we're thankful not just for our blessings, but even for the problems that come to us in this life, I think Templeton is right that will give us the ability to grow through those circumstances that we have to, those challenges that come upon us, not just go through them. You see, circumstances cannot be allowed to determine our fate. Uh, Willard Tate uh, is probably a name that is not known by, by many of you. Tate coached basketball, an Abilene Christian uh, for years and years and preached uh, whenever he could, whenever he would be back uh, on a Sunday. He, he preached for a congregation there in Abilene. And Tate used to say, we can choose to be about as happy as we want to be. We can choose to be about as happy as we want to be. We all know that worries and regrets and complaints solve nothing and change nothing. And they can even undermine our spiritual and mental and and, and physical health. It really doesn't take much to express gratitude, to write a note of thanks to someone who's been there for us uh, during a difficult time, or to spend some time in prayer about a specific need for a specific person. You'll be surprised how gratitude can change how you feel. One of the things that has come out of this two-year deal with COVID at our congregation in Westport Road is a prayer group that started meeting every morning. The, the goal was to begin at Lent and lead up to Easter two years ago and meet every morning, Monday through Friday. It's at uh, 6.30 in the morning and pray we had some some folks that that got up and did that. Everybody didn't come every morning, but we did that all the way till finally COVID came, and so we started Zooming. We changed to seven, and and do it from seven till eight, and there's still about fifteen or twenty of us. Everybody's not on every morning, and we changed to just Tuesday and Thursday instead of every day. But we pray together. Uh, and uh, about 15 to 20 percent of our congregation at Westport Road uh, is black. Uh, one family has roots there for 30, more than 30 years. It's not just something that, that happened in recent years, but uh, we We have a, a good cross section of folks, and if you haven 't prayed with a black woman who can get excited about her faith in Jesus and give expression to that in a beautiful way you you haven 't prayed and so this this group continues to be concerned about needs of the individuals on the call, but also needs within the congregation. And we're always praying for, for unity and for love and for growth. And it, it, it's been a beautiful blessing just to be a part of, of a group of people. We had a phone call on our way here this morning from a lady in the group who said, I'm praying for y'all's safety and for Barrett's getting better and, glad that y'all can go and y'all have a good day. And that was the extent of the conversation. But, you know, sharing gratitude, giving gratitude, changes how you feel. And how can gratitude be expressed any better than by giving? The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? And so the... Biblical nugget of wisdom in that verse has more than just spiritual truth in it. It's also backed by scientific evidence. Studies have shown how being grateful and generous can lower your blood pressure, your stress level, improve your sleep, extend your life. Often people report that giving to others, whether by volunteering or contributing financially, always helps you feel better brings you joy why because gratitude causes us to focus less on ourselves and more on others our generosity will bless others and in the process we'll also be blessed and one thing then that gratitude can always give is grace to others, We've all heard the stories. We've seen the videos of frustrated customers verbally and physically assaulting employees at stores during the pandemic. Everybody's emotions are just so on edge. The screaming matches between total strangers. Grace really is in pretty short supply right now. It's not something that's embraced. It's not something that's expressed much by our contemporary American culture. And yet, when we're really honest with ourselves, we all need grace. Every one of us stands in need of grace. We want people to have patience with us, to forgive us, to show us some mercy and compassion. This past year was filled with so much strife and ugliness. We've got to do a better job of giving grace to others. But showing grace is one of those things that's so much easier said than done. We all have circumstances. We all have people in our lives that irritate us and that, that frustrate us and we've got to try to put ourselves in other's shoes and see things from their perspective i've just been amazed that so many people during all of this difficult time have literally been at the end of their rope they've seen that uh, that, that sign that message that some of us have on our On our walls, you know, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. And there are a lot of people who've tied that knot and are literally just hanging on. And a gracious word or a loving gesture from one of us could help them hang on and make it through the day. In a time of global grief, the profound miracle and meaning of Jesus' coming into this world is so important. God came to dwell with us and to help us in our times of sorrow, our times of sickness, and our times of suffering. And I'm so glad that we've been able during this holiday season to once again focus on the greatest being in the universe, God. God giving the greatest number, the whole world, the greatest gift that has ever been given, his only begotten son, that we could make the greatest decision we could ever make, believing that Jesus is who he claimed to be, and avoid the greatest disappointment of all, death and destruction, while giving the greatest reward that's ever been promised to fallen humanity, eternal life. Looking back over the last month, I've really been impressed with how the American people really love Christmas. Even in the midst of global pandemic and political turmoil and economic uncertainty, our collective devotion to this holiday hasn't budged. A recent LifeWay study found that 93% of American adults plan to celebrate Christmas in 2021. And that number has pretty much stayed the same for the last 10 years. We really love Christmas. And that popularity is a little bit surprising to me given other trends in our culture USA Today, back a couple of months ago, uh, ran a couple of different stories on how many Americans are walking away from Christianity and organized religion altogether. Do you know that the fastest growing group among younger people today are not the Protestants, the Catholics, or the Jews, but the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Those folks who who take that survey, and Catholic Protestant, Jew, or none of the above nuns <laughs> is the most popular group today among our younger generation and yet that study by Lifeway also found that even the religiously unaffiliated people still plan to celebrate Christmas in some way and even a pretty good section of the nuns plan to spend some time during that whole time between Christmas and New Year's in some spiritual reflection. And why is it then that people are willing to give up on organized religion and walk away from church but they can't quite let go of Christmas even after a crazy year like 2021 Why do people continue to look for deeper meanings for the Christmas and New Year holidays? I believe I I know the answer. I think the answer is we human beings are hungry for hope. We're hungry for hope. We want a solution to our problems, to our pain, to our frustrations. But every year the calendar ends, and our troubles are all still there. Christmas calls for reflecting on the past. New Year's Day is all about optimism and the possibilities for the future. And so as we look back to a rather grim year, I think we're even more aware of just how out of control this world really is and how powerless we are to do very much about it. And that's when the words here in Romans 8 that Paul penned become so appropriate. Our hope for the future, our own future, and the future of the whole creation, as Paul talks about it there, is built on a foundation that enables us to face every day and all that it brings with confident and joyful expectation. That's my definition for hope. Confident and joyful expectation. And that's what Paul's talking about here in Romans 8. Our future is in fulfillment, not frustration. Newness, not decay. Joy, not pain. And the reality of the present pain that we experience and the future glory that awaits us Gives us the ability to groan inwardly, Paul says. Not always be happy. Even as we wait eagerly and joyfully. The Christian life, as we all know, is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And my goal is to be a little more like Jesus right now, than I was this time last year. A little less flawed, a little more loving than I used to be. We know that we're not all that we... but neither are we all that we used to be. We possess already, Paul says, the first fruits of the Spirit in spite of the fact that we don't have all that we want and all that we will be one day, we believe that our best days are still ahead. And that one day, all those painful days will be behind us as we wait eagerly and patiently and joyfully, knowing that pain will pass and this life is not all that there is. If we could travel back in history for just a moment, 2100 years, we'd discover that there was a consensus pick for one who could deliver the lasting peace and prosperity that this world craved. And his name wasn't Jesus. His name was Octavian. We know him better by his title, Caesar Augustus. The subjects believed that the solution to global wars and famines and budget deficits and entitlements and plagues and pandemics had to come from the bottom up. Humanity, if it so desired, could rise up and fix society and change the world. Well-educated human beings were capable of doing whatever they wanted to do. I don't know if you knew Octavian's modest nickname. He called himself the savior of the world. The belief was that men could become gods and that the Roman peace, Pax Romana, could last forever and that they were building an empire without end. It was a bottom-up, man-made way of solving all the world's problems. But you know and I know that Jesus confronted head on this false man-made story of redemption. The solution to humanity's problems has to come from the top down. The Son of God left heaven and became man. The divine became human. The lasting solution to the problems that plague us was born in the little village of Bethlehem. It's a contrast that's hard to overstate. On that silent, holy night, there was a man in Rome, in the prime of his life, at the height of his power. And yet, in an animal feeding trough, half a continent away, there lay a little baby boy, born to a Jewish virgin, who was God in the flesh. And the angel said, Let's call his name Jesus, for he'll save his people from their sins. And here we are, 2,100 years later, and things are still in a mess. And human beings still long for hope and happiness. Because there is this unrelenting truth. Medical doctors, economists, politicians cannot save us today any more than they could 2,000 years ago. Rescuing ourselves has never worked. But we're offered the hope of a better way, the hope of a better day, by the one who said, I am the way, the truth. And the life. The gospel contains good news and bad news. The bad news is we can't save ourselves. The good news is. God has entered into our world. In human flesh. To do for us. What we could never do for ourselves. And so whenever. God's amazing grace. Is fully received by one of us. Grace demands That grace be shared with those around us. There are two attitudes that can help us choose to have a joyous new year in 2022, even though there'll be some times when we're going to be less than happy. One is gratitude, genuine gratitude for all that we have, the other is grace, undeserved grace that we extend to each other. May we all choose a joyful new year because of the good that God is working inside of us even when we're not always happy with what's going on around us. We're not always happy because happiness depends on what's happening around us. But we can be joyful Because of what God is doing inside of us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your great example of grace. Grace that demands gratitude. That demands our being willing to share what we receive from you with those around us. And so may we today remember to be thankful, to be grateful for all that you are and all that you do and all that you're going to do. And at the same time, as we receive that grace from you, be willing to extend that grace more and more to each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there's some way that you need to be responsive to the gospel today, knowing the bad news that you can't save yourself, but realizing the good news that God has done for you, what you couldn't do for yourself, if you need to make some response to God's grace today, we give that opportunity right now as we stand, as we sing. Uh-uh. <clears throat>